0: Welcome to Remember My Name, Profiles of Heroes in Military and Law Enforcement. When you think of a hero, what comes to mind? A John Wayne-type character running through the jungles of Vietnam, carrying a wounded comrade on his shoulders, guns blazing, picking off commies hidden behind banana leaves? Or John Bassalone running through enemy fire in Guadalcanal, carrying 90 pounds of ammunition and firing his 30 caliber machine gun? Or Robin Olds? Air Force Triple Ace F-4 fighter pilot on a mission in Vietnam, dodging through enemy flak with his sights pointed at his objective. Or is it the unknown soldier who bravely fought alongside his men, but whose valiant acts will never be known because no one in his platoon made it back alive to tell the story. A hero is someone who stares at fear, knowing they could very well die, but continues on ahead. A hero is someone who takes that next step despite the risk, Heroism is something that is ingrained, not learned. A hero understands the responsibility that comes with freedom. As you sleep peacefully in your bed at night, heroes are standing guard in your cities and across the globe, ready to take the fight to the enemy. Heroes are humble and don't expect to be acknowledged. Many will never be known. This podcast is about heroes in the military and law enforcement. Some gave their service for America and served in the armed forces. Some have paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom, and others protect the local community and died in the line of duty. Our lives would be a whole lot different if it weren't for the hard work and sacrifice of these brave men and women. They could have gone on to live lives that were less dangerous, however, they dedicated themselves to your protection. If you ever have the pleasure of talking with one of them, they'll tell you, I'm not a hero but I had the honor of walking beside a few. Others will say, the real heroes are those who didn't make it back home. This episode is dedicated to the five soldiers who died in the Ganshgal battle in Afghanistan on September 8th, 2009 in which United States Marine Corps Corporal Dakota Meyer and U.S. Army Captain William D. Swinson both received the Medal of Honor. Meyer was the first living Marine to receive the Medal of Honor since the Vietnam War, and Swinson was the first officer to receive the Medal of Honor since the Vietnam War. Two other Marines, Staff Sergeant Juan Rodriguez Chavez and Captain Adamola Faballo, also received the Navy Cross during this battle. The following are three Marines, one Navy corpsman, and an army soldier who died during this battle. United States Marine Corps Staff Sergeant Aaron M. Kenific, 3rd Combat Assault Battalion, 3rd Marine Division, 3rd Marine Expeditionary Force. Kenific enlisted in the Marines right after high school and was stationed in Okinawa, Japan. During his 12-year career, he was named Marine of the Year two times. A few years ago on Thanksgiving, Aaron asked his mom what time dinner would be served. He wanted to make sure he had time to visit patients at the VA hospital. That's where the true heroes are, Kenefick told his mother, Susan Price. I just smiled and said, that's why I love you so much, Price recalled telling her son. He was a big part of our young athletic program, and our coaches viewed him as a leader. So I'm not surprised he took the role of leadership as a Marine said Kevin Lester, the athletic director at Williamsville South High School in New York. Kenefick went to school there for two years. Kenefick himself was the recipient of a Purple Heart after he was wounded by shrapnel in Afghanistan. A fellow Marine died next to him. A sandbag had saved Kenefick's life, said his sister Jade Miska. Two days later on September 8th, the 30-year-old from Boswell, Georgia was killed in an ambush in Kunar Province. Kenefick is survived by his mother, a father, two sisters, his girlfriend, and his young daughter, Landon. U.S. Marine Corps Gunnery Sergeant Edwin W. Johnson Jr. 3rd Combat Assault Battalion, 3rd Marine Division, 3rd Marine Expeditionary Force. Gunny J. loved life in the Corps. Edwin W. Johnson Jr. wasn't known to many people as Edwin. Loved ones and friends called him by his middle name, Wayne. To his fellow Marine, he was simply Gunny J. To his younger sister, Latoya Lowe, he was Superman. He always tried to help people do better for themselves, Lowe said. He was like the role model of the century. Everyone I know who knew my brother, they looked up to him. His wife, Tasha, was also a fellow Marine. Johnson, 31, of Columbus, Georgia, enlisted in the Marine Corps after graduating from Columbus High School in 1996. He was stationed in Okinawa, Japan, and also served in Korea. Johnson is also survived by his wife and three children, Jerome, Jalissa, and Torin. United States Marine Corps, First Lieutenant Michael E. Johnson, 7th Communication Battalion, 3rd Marine Headquarters Group, 3rd Marine Expeditionary Force. Johnson and his wife once made a deal. He would teach her to surf if she taught him how to snowboard. That love for nature is what brought Johnson to Oregon for college and kept him there. He was all about doing stuff outdoors, traveling around, hiking, said his uncle Greg Chase. He grew up in Virginia Beach, worked at surf shops and swimming pools. But Johnson eventually was lured to Oregon State University while visiting friends and family there. He graduated from OSU in 2006, where he was in the Marine ROTC. He was commissioned as a second lieutenant the same day he graduated. His wife, Dorinda, also loved being active, and the two married in an outdoor ceremony in 2007. They moved to Okinawa when he was stationed there, set up a home, and adopted several pets. Then he was sent to Afghanistan. He was just hard working, dedicated kid, said Uncle Greg Chase. Johnson is survived by his wife, parents, a twin brother, Dan, and another brother, Steve, U.S. Army Sergeant 1st Class Kenneth W. Westbrook, military training team, 1st Brigade, 1st Infantry Division. Westbrook, a Navajo Indian, grew up in Shiprock, New Mexico. He followed in the footsteps of his father, a career Army Vietnam veteran, and joined the Army after graduating from Shiprock High School in 1987. He lived with his wife and three sons in Fountain, Colorado, just north of Colorado Springs, and was stationed in Fort Riley, Kansas. His wife says he planned to retire from the service in November 2009 after a 22-year career. Westbrook, 41, was injured during the initial battle on September 8, 2009, when insurgents attacked his unit in Afghanistan. He died almost one month later, on October 7th at Walter Reed Army Medical Center in Washington, D.C., after he received his initial injuries. As a result of his heroism in battle, Westbrook posthumously received the Silver Star. Following the funeral, the Navajo Nation president, Joe Shirley Jr., ordered flags on the reservation to be flown at half-staff from October 19th through October 17th to honor Westbrook. U.S. Navy Hospital Corpsman, 3rd Class, James R. Layton, attached to the 3rd Marine Division, 3rd Marine Expeditionary Force. Layton, 22, native of Riverbank, California, enlisted in the U.S. Navy on December 20th, 2007. He deployed to Afghanistan with an element of the Okinawa-based 3rd Marine Division. He was assigned to Combined Security Transport Command in Afghanistan, which is responsible for training and equipping Afghan security forces. At one point during the battle, Lieutenant Michael Johnson was hit by gunfire. Leighton rushed from cover with a first aid kit to help him. James had left his cover to go help Mike, said his father, Brent Leighton. He was killed trying to save Mike. Johnson also died in the attack. This guy died a hero, said Corporal Dakota Meyer, the Marine who braved enemy fire and retrieved Leighton's body. He is survived by his grandmother, his mother, Nikki Frietas, and his father, Brett Leighton, Two younger brothers, Jonathan and Jesse, a stepsister, Andrea, and a stepbrother, Jason. Now the details of the Battle of Ganshgal. On September 8, 2009, a U.S. military training team set out with Afghan forces to Ganshgal. Prior to the mission, it was understood that there was no close air support available for the mission, but commanders guaranteed that artillery support would be available in an emergency there was a helicopter unit that could be diverted from an operation in a nearby valley. Original intelligence showed that Taliban fighters knew of the operation and were organizing fighting positions inside Ganshgal with a team of about 20 insurgents set up outside the village. Uneasy about compromising the drive and safety of the mission, the U.S. and Afghan forces pressed forward and attacked the Taliban. Early in the morning as the coalition troops headed toward the town, They were ambushed on three sides by at least one hundred enemy forces. This was contrary to the intel they had received earlier. They called for artillery support but were turned down because of the new rules of engagement so civilian casualties could be avoided. Although the U.S. forces were not near the village, they were again denied artillery support fire and the attack helicopter resources they were promised were already engaged in another operation. As the US and Afghan security forces continued in the battle, the intensity of Taliban fire increased. Some of the coalition troops noticed that women and children were supplying fresh ammunition to the insurgent fighters. Half an hour into the battle, the US forces called command to provide artillery fire of smoke canisters so they could withdraw. Finally, an hour later, white phosphorus rounds landed between the coalition forces and Taliban and they drew back still under heavy fire before they were penned down. At this point, three Marines, Aaron Kenefick, Edwin, and Michael Johnson, their Navy corpsman, James Layton, their Afghan interpreter, and several Afghan soldiers had been killed and were left behind in the forward position before the withdrawal. In addition, Army Sergeant First Class Westbrook had been seriously wounded. As soon as the attack helicopter assets arrived on scene, Insurgent snipers began moving into flanking positions, but were held at bay by the helicopters. This allowed for the wounded to be evacuated and for the Marines to gain the hilt to reach their fallen comrades. When the U.S. and coalition forces withdrew, the battle had lasted for almost nine hours. Several years later, Dakota Meyer would go on to win the Medal of Honor and authored a book with Bing West entitled Into the Fire, A first-hand account of the most extraordinary battle in the Afghan war. Inside the pages, Meyer began making a claim that Army Captain William D. Swenson should be awarded the Medal of Honor for also putting his life at risk for fellow soldiers and retrieving bodies during the battle. Meyer's account was taken into consideration and Swenson received the Medal of Honor on October 15, 2013. Lately, Dakota Meyer has been working closely with Hiring Our Heroes, U.S. Chamber of Commerce Foundation program that focuses on increasing numbers of veteran unemployment and underemployment. Meyer is a survivor of PTS, post-traumatic stress. Many soldiers take away the D of PTSD because they don't see the condition as a disability, but rather something to be overcome. Meyer once said, the biggest thing we do as veterans to each other is we feel like we struggle with PTS. It's not normal because we don't talk about it. You've got to talk about it. If you are a veteran struggling with PTS, contact the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or the Veterans Crisis Line at 1-800-273-8255. So take a minute and remember these names. Dakota Meyer, William Swenson, Juan Rodriguez Chavez, Adamola Faballo, Aaron Kennefik. Wayne Johnson Jr., Michael Johnson, Kenneth Westbrook, and James Leighton.